This is Catalog and Cocktails. Presented by Data.World. Hello, 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 everyone. It's time once again for Catalog and Cocktails. Presented by Data.World, the data catalog for agile data governance to give power to people and data. We're coming to you live from Austin, Texas. It's an honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management with tasty beverages in our hands. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime product guy and data nerd here at Data.World, joined by Juan. Hey, Tim, I'm Juan Cicada. I'm the scientist guy here at Data.World, and it is a pleasure to be back. Season 5, 2023, I've lost count 115 episodes or whatever. And today, our first a guest at this season five is the one and only Bill Inman, the father of the data warehouse, a legend who has seen so many things over so many decades. Bill, it is such a privilege and honor to have you as our guest. How are you doing, Bill? I'm doing fine, Juan. How are you doing? We're doing great. Super excited for you to be here. So, but let's first kick it off. Uh, tell and toast. What are, what are we drinking and what are we toasting for? Well, uh, uh, it's a new year. We're all alive and uh, progressing forward. And when you get to be my age, that's something that is uh, you don't take for granted. I, I, I'll i definitely cheers to that. <laughs> How about you, Tim? What are you drinking? What are you toasting for? Um, I'll also cheers to 2023 being safe and well and probably a little warmer over here in austin than for you uh bill in denver so but cheers to 2023 and i am drinking a uh scotch old-fashioned i thought i would keep it kind of smoky and classy and gets the job done just like a good data warehouse should so <laughs> <laughs> uh and i'm drinking i'm, I'm going to start calling you just mexican old fashions it'd be slight it's a agave with some orange bitters and just some bourbon in here uh and i'm going to be toasting for just 2023 kicking off and all the exciting events and conferences my first conference is going to be in a couple weeks here in austin day-to-day -day, texas where bill is also going to be there really excited that we'll be able to go hang out again bill so cheers to that cheers to 2023 cheers, cheers. so we got our funny question of today which is in a movie about the history of the data warehouse, who would you cast to play the role of yourself, Bill? <laughs> well, Juan, there, there's really no question about it. There's really only one actor alive, and that would be Brad Pitt. <laughs> um, uh, I, I can see this. I can see this happening. I can see it too. It, it was either Brad Pitt or, or Tom Hanks or maybe Tom Cruise. I, any one of them, I think, would do a great job for you. You took the Tom Cruise. I was going to say Tom Cruise, but like <laughs> there has to be kind of Tom Cruise. But I was also thinking like Clint Eastwood. I think oh, okay. uh, I can see that too. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Tim? Um, uh, to play myself, you know, I always go with Keanu Reeves. He's, he, he's the guy who I, I go to. I'm a fan of the matrix and I enjoy his recent movies. Hopefully he would present me as a really cool nerd. <laughs> All right. Well, look, there's so much to talk about. And, and I think Bill, we, we can definitely talk for days and days. So let's just kick this off. So honest, no BS. Why are we, why does it feel that we're going in circles in the data world? Like, why don't we get the, the problems today, the problems that we see today are the same freaking problems that we've seen 30 years ago and so forth. Why? Why are we still in this problem? We're in circles. 
first of all, there's lots of reasons for it. There's no one reason for it, but there's one one main reason, and and that is that our profession, the profession of IT, is an immature profession. Our profession is maturing. If you compare IT to other professions, it's no contest. IT has been around, depends where you start to measure it, since about 1960. But if you go back to uh, Egypt, you find that on the walls of the pyramids, you, you, you have uh, accountants talking about how much grain is owed to Pharaoh. If you go to Rome, you find walls of, of Rome that were built by an engineer 2,000 years ago. If you go to uh, South America and Chile, you go into caves in Chile, and they found evidence uh, from bones in Chile that medicine has been practiced as long as 10,000 years ago. So when you compare 10,000 and 2,000 and 3,000 and 4,000 years to a measly 50 or 60 years, it's no contest. Historically, it's not even, you can't argue about it. Historically, our profession is an immature profession. And, and, and what we're finding is uh, uh, from uh, customers and sales and vendors and everything, uh, the progression has been very fast, but nevertheless, uh, we are, as a profession are maturing. And a lot of the problems that you find uh, 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 today are, are, are really symptoms of the immaturity of, 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 of our profession. Hmm. Well, and can you go into a little bit more about what we're doing a little incorrectly? Like what, what would you say are some signs of the immaturity here? Tim, they are all over us, but but I but I but I'll I'll give you a couple. Number one is education. Is 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 the the computer and technology entails education. You, it for everybody, uh, uh, users, uh, programmers, developers, everybody, uh, and 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 yet when you look at education, education is uh, done primarily by reading uh, uh, the the the. Uh, marketing that's put out by vendors and 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 and, and says, wait a minute and, and people don't recognize when vendors put out marketing they uh, they are for education but but they're primarily for the benefit of, of the uh, they are biased education and yet people go in and believe that right and left but but there are many many other uh, 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 indicators of the immaturity of our profession. You, you had you wrote a post recently, which is something things we discussed before, is about loyalty, and I think this is something that that was a big aha moment when we, when we chatted about this about loyalty to the technology versus loyalty to the business. Can you please expand on this? I think this is something that everybody needs to really understand and acknowledge. Mm -hmm. Today, today, people that work in corporations. In but de facto work work uh, uh, for the technology vendor. Now, in order to understand this, what this means and how this happens, uh, let me go back to the beginning. A long time ago, in in 1960, in the beginning of things, it was thought that a programmer and a technician should be paid at the same level as a secretary, and and in fact they were. And uh, when I started my first job. Uh, uh, out of college, I was paid like a secretary. I made $6,000 a year. And, and, and what happened is, is very quickly, uh, people began to do computation and use computers. 
and they discovered that technical skills were, were quite important. And so what happened was, as people were working in these corporations, they, could, they found that it was much easier to get a pay raise uh, uh, and to get an elevation in their career by going to a different company. And so quickly, the people began to be loyal to the vendors because it was the vendors that were the key to, uh, to long-term advancement and, and success. And today you find that uh, uh, that attitude still holds true. People think that uh, I, I was at a very large corporation uh, just the other day, and the people were no more interested in what the technology was going to do for their corporation. They were interested in getting the new technology on their resume so they could jump ship. If you take a look at the careers of, of people that were, are in our profession and, and find out how many times they've changed jobs, uh, you find that uh, 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 the IT profession is not at all like any of the other professions uh, just because the key to uh, uh, moving up the corporate ladder is not in the corporation, but uh, by being by an, uh, an expert in a technology. And is this a bad thing? Um, I, I, I never ever thought about goodness or badness. I just described, is it a real thing? Yes. Is it good? I don't know. Is it bad? I don't know. But but it's a, a, a sign of... Uh, 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 of, of the immaturity, uh, our, our, our profession is maturing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, 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 in terms of evolution and maturity, uh, we've come a long way. We've still got a long way to go, but, but, our, but our profession is maturing. And, 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 uh, but in terms of goodness or badness, it's, it's kind of like asking me, is it good or bad that the sky is blue? Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. It sounds uh, I'm not in charge of, uh, of, of the sky, uh, but, uh, uh, but uh, uh, so I, I, I really have no, no comment of is it good or bad? I don't know. That's just the way it is. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I find your comment about how, you know, programmers started off getting paid the same as secretaries and assistants. Very interesting because it kind of fits into this mold that, folks really thought that this was kind of kind of be a profession like any other uh, that, that existed. Right. And it was like, Oh yeah. You know, I'm all, oh, you're a steel worker. I'm a secretary. Oh, you're a, you're a programmer. Right. But then quickly, I think our space kind of evolved to being lots of little niches of different kinds of technologies uh, and, and at least a perception, whether it's a reality or not, or, but a, per, a perception of exclusivity, like, Oh, you're a, you're a programmer, you're a tech head or something like that. You're different. You're different than your sort of average Joe or something like that. Um, you know, do you think that that has been a good thing or a bad thing? Do you think that changes over time? Or do you think that kind of this is just sort of the uniqueness of what like you don't not everyone's a doctor, right? Not everyone's going to be a, a technology specialist. Uh, I, I think it's another sign of the maturity of our of our profession that uh, in in 1960, uh, which is probably before you were born, but that's when I, I started. Uh, in, in, in 1960, uh, computers were the magic word computers, but that meant everything. That meant everything, and 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 and, and in fact, my, my my wife and I have discussions about this all the time. She is a doctor, 
and 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 the, the world of medicine uh, is the same way that you have doctors that are specialists in one thing, you have doctors that are specialists in another thing. You don't want to go to your general practitioner doctor uh, to have an open heart operation. You know, you I guess you could, but that wouldn't be a very smart thing. So 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 the world of medicine in their in their in their maturity has found that the world of medicine is a wide variety world. There's no one doctor ever that's an expert in all forms of medicine. It simply doesn't have is not true, doesn't happen. And and our profession is heading the same way. When we started, we were we were technicians, we're our, our computer people or whatever we were. Uh, today we are data technicians, we are architecture technicians, we are uh, com uh, personal computer technicians, we are program, I mean, we have all of these specialties. And that too is another symptom of the maturing of our profession. This is, this is a fascinating, the analogy you put with uh, being general, being very specific, right? I think we're, we're, we're yep. gonna start to see more of these specifications. Um, and, and I wonder, I see people in, in, in so many different other areas and, and, it, and it's a sign of maturity is that people have to get like, not, ju not just degrees and study, but they actually have to be, go through, get, uh, go through the association and get certified around these things. Uh, uh, I don't know, my, my wife's a BCBA, a board certified applied, applied behavior analyst or stuff like that, right? You go to medical school, you get, you, you get specialized and you study these. Is yeah. this is this something that you foresee that will will happen in the computing uh, uh, profession or 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 not for us? Oh, it, it, it's happening right now. I mean, and I mean, I mean, I mean, it's alive and well, and it's part of the evolution, our uh, our uh, 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 maturation of our profession. Interesting. This is fascinating. But, 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 then, but then hold on, but it's interesting that going back to what you started earlier, that a lot of the education is kind of from the vendors. And are we going to start seeing these kind of uh, focus certifi certifications and stuff by vendors? I mean, that's what's happening right now. I got it. I got certified by Snowflake to go do this. I got certified by Databricks. But then you're being certified by technology and not certified by the fundamental principles of the data. And then you end up focusing too much. Uh, at the technology, it's like uh, a medical professional be, being. I, I I do open heart surgery, but no, I can only use these types of element these these types of tools for it. I can't do these other things. Like, kind that's, of seems like going down that route. That, that route. That's what, exactly what's happening, and uh, and that's that's a sign of the immaturity uh, of our profession. That uh, that our profession has gone so moved towards vendors and the vendor message uh, that the underlying. Uh, principles and disciplines uh, have been glossed over or lost completely. And, 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 and that's exactly what's happening. So let, let's talk a little bit about the history, about how did we get here? I mean, I, I love how we could like, let's talk about, we were discussing before the show, like early uses of computers and how tech managers, how people became managers of this stuff who had no idea. How did Gartner come to play? And, and, and how did the first data warehouses like, let, let's, let's go down, please take us down this journey uh, that you have gone through, because I think this is fascinating. I am a big fan of history. If you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. And this is, we're seeing this over and over again. So please enlighten us. I, I would be happy to, but I have to warn you, if I really did a complete job, we'd be here for a week or two. But uh, 
yes, I am a student uh, of, of the history of the computer profession, and I think it's very important. And in fact, let me tell you a sad little story. Uh, I was at a conference a while back, and, and I was among people that are educated, educated people. These are not dumb people. And I mentioned the name Ed Jordan, and, and nobody at the table even knew who Ed Jordan was. And, and Ed Jordan is one of the, the formative pioneers of our profession. Our profession has the nasty habit of, of trying to forget people that have made contributions to our, to our profession. Gene Amdahl, you don't, you don't know what computing would be like without Gene Amdahl, and yet people don't even know who Gene Amdahl is or what he, did, that, that he does. So, so I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in, 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 uh, in the history of our profession. Uh, doing some reading, I wasn't there for these events, but uh, the very first concept, the very first concept of our computer uh, uh, came in a very crude fashion. It came back in India uh, uh, when people were weaving rugs and people had to have these. Have you ever wondered how these, these wonderful Indian rugs with all of these intricate designs get to be weaved? Uh, they get to be weaved by, by, by people that have the punch cards. It was the first punch card. And these punch cards control the machine. And, and, and then that, that, that idea of being able uh, to, to use uh, logic to control activity was really probably the, the original origins uh, of the computer. Or maybe the Chinese Abacus was, I'm not sure about that. But in terms of the computer as we know it today, <clears throat> there was a gentleman in England named Alan Turing uh, during the World War uh, one, uh, World War II uh, that cracked the uh, code uh, uh, that was used in Germany. Now he didn't build a computer, but he had the early ideas of how the computer should be built. And so he's probably the, the first person ever to understand the how these mechanical devices in India uh, um, uh, were able to control machines that build these these wonderful rugs. After Alan Turing came along, uh, they actually did start to build computer. Uh, the first computers were built uh, by the U.S. Army. Uh, uh, the U.S. Army wanted to build these tables to determine how to shoot their guns more accurately, and and that was the first first application of computers, uh, uh, and it was strictly mathematical. Uh, after that, uh, the, the next organization that found out uh, that they could use this kind of technology was the mafia. Uh, the mafia, uh, you're laughing, uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not joking, I'm, I'm telling you, it was the mafia. Uh, the mafia uh, found out that they could uh, use the computer to calculate racetrack odds. And in doing so, they could uh, uh, make more money at the racetrack. Uh, after that, uh, the computer was thought to be uh, a device for uh, calculation. And the earliest uses of the computer were strictly for uh, numerical calculation. Uh, then Thomas Watson of IBM uh, made his famous statement. I don't know if he made his statement or not, but it's credited to him. He said, there's a world market for about five computers. Now, what he was talking about was a world market for, um, excuse me, one second. 
what he was talking about was a world market for computational devices. And he was, I don't know, I don't think he was right, but, it, but, but he had the right idea. Uh, and then one day, uh, and so in the early days of the computer, uh, the computer was thought to be something that was just for running a bunch of numbers in computing. And then somewhere along the line, somebody came up with a bright idea. Maybe we could use the uh, computer for, for business. Uh, perhaps there is a use for computation in business. And, 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 and that was a golden moment because uh, uh, at that moment in time, um, uh, computers hadn't been exploited in business. But people then started to bring the computer in and find out, indeed, uh, once you open up the computer to more than just numbers, once you start to include text uh, and other things, uh, that the computer can do wonderful things. Now, when you look at computation at, at, in an abstract form, uh, the computer is, is fast, it can remember a whole lot, and it can remember it accurately. But at the end of the day, the computer is dumb. It, it's dumb in, in the sense that you've got to tell it what it's got to do. And if you don't tell it what it's going to do, then it, it can do it fast, but it can't do it uh, well or, or properly. And so uh, the next uh, uh, advent of, of the computer was to enter into business. And so the computer entered into business and started to do all kinds of things uh, that were very uh, repetitious, uh, and this greatly alleviated business. Uh, uh, and then one day, the volumes of data began to uh, uh, accumulate, and we discovered we needed something called a database management system. And so uh, we, we discovered that with a database management system uh, that, that allowed us to extend the range of, 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 of what, what uh, can be done. And so, so that now, before the database management system, we had to have the programmer try to do the location, allocation, maintenance, uh, insertion, deletion of data. And that was a very tedious thing to do, given, the, given what we were asking the, the computer to do. So the database management system came along and, and alleviated that burden on the computer. After the database management system came along, uh, we discovered that, uh, gee, maybe we could use the computer for even more important things. Maybe we could do something called transaction processing. And to do transaction processing, you had to have a new ingredient. You had to have the, the query and activity that you're doing on the computer done very quickly. And so, however, uh, with transaction processing, uh, the, the computer was opened up to the world because today we have ATM machines, we have um, uh, uh, airline reservation systems, we have internal manufacturing control systems, Transaction processing systems uh, became the beast of burden. And with that, the computer became the partner of business. Prior to that point in time, uh, the computer was simply a beast of burden. But, but, but with, with the ability to, uh, uh, to, to become active in the day-to-day -day business of a bank teller systems, you can't run a bank today without an online transaction processing system. Sorry, can't be done, and right. and 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 uh, um, uh, so 
so so the the uh, uh, ability to do transaction processing systems was the second golden moment because that's when the computer became the uh, uh, became the partner uh, in business and and uh, and then then we start to have other uses of the computer then we have the personal computer then we have the internet then then we have yet today even more important uses so that's a that is a a, a five minute uh, description of of how we went from uh, shooting bullets accurately to doing bank transactions properly from army to mafia to your pocket <laughs> that's right bill you know i think this it's such an interesting thing to see the arc of computing and obviously you had an opportunity to see many key milestones and evolutions and really be an architect behind a lot of that what was some of the key moments around the sort of the revolution around the data warehouse like what what was the key sort of golden moment that triggered to say like oh interesting databases have gotten us so far but we really need to approach sort of analysis of data especially but certainly other kinds of workloads as well right um, in a in a in a different way, and obviously that sparked all sorts of fun things, you know, Inman versus Kimball, and all sorts of different things like that, right? Well, so what was the kind of the golden moment that kind of triggered a lot around the data warehouse? Well, uh, let me tell you, uh, I, I, I grew up. I, I started programming in 1963, so I've I, I've kind of been there from the very beginning, and 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 in the beginning we had all of these applications. And, 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 and that was that. And then all of a sudden we had database management systems and people, the, the theoreticians and the vendors came along uh, and said uh, uh, the, the database should be a single source of data for all processing. Now that sounded like a good idea at the time. And given the applications and the advent of database man and, and databases, that was, that was a proper thing to say. But one day, but that, that, that understanding of what a database should be locked people in. It said that uh, this data has this purpose and this usage and, 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 and no more. And, 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 and if it has any more, anything else, you're breaking the rules and you're, you are, you are, you're a nasty person to think the, the database, the data structure was like, this is how it will be used. And it was, it was very fixed. That, that absolutely. And when, when, and, and, and at the time I happened to be a writer for a journal called computer world. And I, 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 uh, I started to express the idea in computer world that data could be used for more than just what you're locking it up for. And, and this was very threatening to people. Uh, because even writing about it before, before there was a data warehouse, I have a collection of the letters uh, in my office, uh, and I, I'll, I and I they, they're burned in my brain. One of them said that I should not be allowed to speak in public ever again. Uh, another <laughs> said that oh, you're, you're laughing. You're, what are you laughing about? This is what happened. Uh, this is the reaction. <laughs> People said I'm an anarchist. I'm setting the industry back 25 years. I, uh, I, and I, wow. I had. Uh, I had other things that are not repeatable on a, for, uh, on, a on a broadcast like this, and 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 uh, the the notion that you could even think that uh, there was a different notion of data was anathema. People 
people were very threatened by it. What year uh, was it? Th- pardon? What year was oh, it? Oh, don't ask me hard questions. Uh, uh, <laughs> this was, this was, oh, I don't know, 1970, 71, somewhere wow. in that time frame. And, 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 uh, 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 and the vendors, the vendors went out of their way to, 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 I won't go into the details and which vendor, but uh, the vendors went out of their way to make sure that I was trying to be muzzled like, like a dog. They did not like that I, I was spreading something that was not in line with what they're saying. But nevertheless, uh, I, I kept thinking about, gee, you can use data. And, and, and that's when the thought occurred to me. There's transaction data, there's application data, then there's corporate data. And, and application data is data that supports the application. Uh, the uh, um, uh, uh, enterprise data is there to support the enterprise. Let me tell you the kinds of questions that people couldn't answer uh, uh, on that day and age. Simple questions like how many customers do we have? Uh, how many products do we have? How many sales did we make? And you would have big, big corporations not able to answer those questions. So the, so the, so I, I sat down and I said to myself, okay, what does it take to answer those questions? And in order to answer those questions on an enterprise level, you've got to have uh, an enterprise understanding of data. And that's different from an application understanding of data. So, so those were the original thoughts uh, behind Data Warehouse. And the resistance to Data Warehouse was terrific. You, you, the, the, the vendors, uh, the technicians, everybody hated Data Warehouse. The one place where Data Warehouse was, was loved and understood was in the marketing organizations of the United States. And, and, and I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, the names and stories of how Data Warehouse came to be. We'd been talking about Data Warehouse and writing books a long time. And then one day, we actually got somebody to try Data Warehouse. And the person that we got to try, the person, organization that we got to try Data Warehouse uh, was somebody called Pactel Cellular in Orange County, California. They're now part of somebody called Macaw Communications. But Pactel Cellular was involved in, in their own terrific fight for market share. This was when cellular phones were just coming out and you had all of these cellular telephone companies fighting for, for market share. And God bless Pactel Cellular. For whatever reason, they, uh, they went out and they tried Data Warehouse. And guess what? They found out that with Data Warehouse, you can start to actually understand your customer you can keep your existing customers and you can get new, more new customers. And all of a sudden, the other cellular companies in the world found out about this and the management of, of the cellular, other cellular companies went down to their technicians and said, hey, we got to have this thing called data warehouse. And for years and years, the technicians had been blasting. And all of a sudden, uh, management was saying, this is what we're going to be doing. And so... If it hadn't been for the marketing people uh, in Pactel Cellular, I don't know what we would have done. But then, then the uh, the cellular telephone industry started to adopt Data Warehouse, and then the the next big 
person to identify it and use it. And it was in his own book with Sam Walton of Walmart. And let me tell you, once cellular telephone companies and Walmart started to adopt data warehouse, that, that was the end of the game. The, the, the data warehouse was now going into uh, the world as a full-fledged concept. Kicking and screaming, IBM, Oracle, Microsoft, SAP were no help at all. They had, their management fought it tooth and nail. Wow. So this, again, this is fascinating, fascinating history right here. And what I love is that the big aha moment was not the tech side. It's, it was the marketing. It was the non-tech people who they wanted to go understand the customers so they can sell more to them, go acquire market share, keep them and so forth. So, I mean, th th this is kind of uh, the, this era. I feel that we're, we're in this era right now that we've come out we're coming out of a world of abundance of being able to just be very comfortable and focusing on our technology without really focusing on what is the business value around this. And I think in, in, in the history that you're telling us is that if we go back to our roots, this all started because of business value. And I think this is like the, this is a very important message and why I tell people always, we need to understand our history. Otherwise we're doomed to repeat it. And then you're telling you're very, very, you're explaining very clearly that this is, about understanding the customer, being able to go sell more. This is an important message. And, 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 and other business value as well. It's as important as a customer is, and believe me, I'm a big fan of looking for the customer. There are other business activities. Such, such, things as, such things as how many products do we have? How many sales did we make? You know, you know, you know answering, if a business can't answer those questions, a business is in trouble. Yeah, this is the thing that I. This, this is my big kind of uh, soapbox right now. Everywhere I'm just going, everywhere I'm going off and talking about, show me the money, show me the money. Like you want to go do this new tech, you want to go do this. Every single new kind of quote unquote feature, which is a category that people are trying to go sell things. I'm like, how is this going to provide value? What is the business value? I mean, please. Please share kind of a, what is your message to everybody out there who's just so still kind of focused on technology? Okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say some words that are gonna make me a very unpopular person. Uh, people are gonna tar and feather me. They're not gonna like what I'm gonna say, except it's the truth, and it happened last week. Uh, and and well, okay, you asked the question. I'm gonna give you the answer or an answer. Last week, uh, Microsoft announced something called, I think it's called Chatbot. Uh, number one, it is a cool technology. It, it is a wonderful toy. Uh, and, 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 and in terms of elegance, it's great. It's wonderful. I have nothing but good things to say for Chatbot, except that it doesn't address business value. That, that, uh, that Chatbot, and I'm not even sure I'm saying it right, but but it, but it made the, the headlines of the, of the Wall Street Journal last week uh, valuated in, 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 in our world uh, by investors at $29 billion. But we've seen this before. Uh, the, the chatbot is not new. Take a look at what uh, IBM did on, 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 uh, on uh, uh, that Jeopardy show uh, uh, with their big blue adventure. Uh, what IBM did was associative recall. And they built a machine that built that beat Ken Jennings and Roger Craig. 
And by the way, anybody that can beat uh, an associative recall, a machine to beat Gene, uh, Jennings, uh, has got to be darn good. And, and in fact, beyond darn good, very, very good. Excellent. But all it is is, 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 is associative recall. And that's not what businesses need. Businesses don't need to know about the, uh, uh, the islands in, 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 in Indonesia or, or, or they, they don't need to know about uh, uh, how coconut reacts to, uh, uh, to something else. I mean, I mean, that's external information. What businesses need to know is what about my business? What, what about uh, 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 the emails I get? Uh, what about the call center conversations I get? What about my contracts? And, and those are the kinds of places where there, there is great business value. And Chatbot does not address that. And so, so Chatbot is a wonderful, glorious toy, but it's a toy. It's not, it's, not, uh, it, it's elegant, it's sexy, it's, it's all of the things we would like. It's obviously investors like them. They think it's worth $29 billion, but it doesn't address business value. I love this perspective. This is the honest, no BS show about data. And so we try to really unpack it. And I think that, you know, we love to get excited about these things that express, the, you know, that, that can beat Jennings, right? That, you know, I was playing with uh, GPT-3 last week. Mm -hmm. And holy cow, that's cool, right? That's uh, cool. Or, or, or generative art, right? Um, like, wow, check it out. Right. But then it's like, wow, that's technology that's been trained on kind of what's been done in the past, but now how do we turn that into something valuable? And there's certainly, you know, valuable technologies, valuable companies and, uh, and interesting use cases around that, but it's easy to get excited about technology that is, uh, you know, a, a solution in search of a problem instead of a problem and figuring out the right way to solve the problem. Right. You got that right. Is a chat chatbot or whatever it's called is is a solution looking to solve a problem, and uh, uh, but they're 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 not playing in the right ballpark. They're playing. Take a look at what happened to IBM Blue and Watson. Uh, uh, I, I don't know if you saw some of the projections IBM was make, making for Watson, but if I'm not mistaken, uh, in terms of financial business stability, Watson achieved approximately 1% of what IBM projected because, because and, and, and where is Watson today? It got trash canned last, last year. I don't know if you've followed that, but uh, 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 IBM divested themselves uh, of Watson. And, and used, to, used to look at the Masters Golf Tournament and the Masters of Golf Tournament, uh, uh, IBM would announce and, and show all these wonderful things Watson can do. But there was no business value there. And, and the, the people at IBM forgot to ask the most basic question, uh, something that every MBA student should learn on day one, and that is what is the business value and how do we get to it? The people at IBM failed to ask that. The people at Microsoft failed to ask that. Very wise words. And I, I yeah. think that you know, we, we can fall into the same traps easily around all of this. And, and investors, uh, I, I mean, I'll tell you something. Uh, 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 I don't believe me. If you listen to Bill Inman for investment advice, you're really dumb. 
but uh, but uh, <laughs> you really are. Uh, but 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 I wouldn't invest a penny in 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 in. It's cool technology, but it's a toy. It, I don't know. Mattel Mattel and Hasbro make toys. I would invest in them because because they know their toy business. <laughs> At I, least uh, they know it's a toy. This, this, this is the this is the uh, this is the essence of honest and OPS. I love this. I love this a lot. I mean, it, it, we, we've we've talked about this before, and you, and you said it again. I want to repeat it. If you can't produce business value, like why are we doing this? And I think this is the no. question that everybody needs to be asking all the time. What are you doing? Is it producing business value? And heck, if you just want to play around with a toy, that's fine. But acknowledge that you're playing around with a toy, and you're not that's producing. Right. And 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 every day. You should walk in, and the first question you ask every day is: "Is how is what I'm doing going to produce business value?" Mm -hmm. And if you're not, if you're not doing that, you're you're on the wrong track. Amen. Uh, amen to that. Show me the money. What I say. Show yep. me the money. Where is it? Um, so what? Okay, we're we're running close on time, but we let's keep going for a while here because this is this is there's so much stuff. One thing that I want to go back. Uh, into going back to history here um, is understanding the whole, we always hear Inman versus Kimball when it comes to data modeling. I think this is data modeling is another thing that I feel that has, has come and gone and then kind of come back and stuff. And people are not uh, reading their history, understanding this. Um, can you, in your words, explain the, the Inman versus Kimball? First off on a personal basis, I've known Ralph Kimball for a long time. I consider him to be a friend, and I never had one bad word with Ralph Kimball. I never intend to have one bad word with Ralph Kimball. Uh, I read these things in, in the trade journals and other places, and uh, I, I personally think it's funny that people think that Kimball and I are, are, are at each other's throats. We're not. Uh, um, uh, uh, Kimball produced an architecture that was good for answering immediate questions, but Kimball did not produce the uh, or recognize the need for integration uh, of all of these applications in order to produce produce uh, a good information. So what, what and and I recommend the Kimball approach all the time to people. If what you're looking for is something quick and dirty and out there, use the Kimball approach. If what you're looking for is the integrity of the data. Uh, uh, the thing that Kimball's missing is the integrity of data. Uh, the thing that now I'm the first person to admit: is it easy? Is it fast? Is it cheap to create integrity of data? No, it is not. And and I don't believe I've ever said. If I ever have said that, my apologies. I was drunk at the time or something. But uh, <laughs> uh, 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 I've never in on in my life ever said. Building integrity into your data is cheap, easy, and fast. And so I, when, when people say Kimball versus Inman, I ask them, what are you looking for? You want a, a quick report? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give you Kimball. Uh, you want data that you can believe and you can answer the question, how many products do I have? What sales do I make? How many customers do I have? That's the difference in the architecture. So Kimball is answering one question. I'm answering another question. Very well said. Thank you so much for this. I think it's a, it's a nice snippet that we're going to share with people. I think uh, 
coming directly from you, Bill. So thank you very much. Mm -hmm. So um, one final thing before we go to our lightning round. Um, what's, what's next for you? We hear it's about knowledge graphs. Well, Juan, um, there's another world out there. And, and, and the other world in the corporation is the world of text. And, and, and text has been, for a variety of reasons, neglected, uh, uh, ignored, uh, whatever. But there's a wealth of information in text. There's probably more information in text than there ever is in any structured system that's out there. And yet it isn't being used in the corporation. And so uh, I actually, I haven't abandoned Data Warehouse, but uh, for the past 20 years or so, I've been working on the problem of, of, of what do you have to do to bring text in the corporation into a usable analytical format? And, 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 and believe me, we do not have time to go into the issues of what you have to go through in text. That is a very complex subject. But uh, uh, once people start, and they are starting, God love the people. They are starting to discover that, yes, indeed, there is value in text. Yes, you can go into text and start to find important things uh, that are really important for your business. And so now nobody, you know, uh, the Gartner Group, nobody recognizes that. But, but I'm going to tell you, it's business value that's going to get them because we're showing people how they can get business value out of text. And, and again, it's not the technician that has any, any uh, uh, input into this. It's the business person. We talk to the business person, not the technician. All right. We're very excited to go see what you're doing. I think we're very long. We've been sharing a lot of correspondence around text and cataloging and, and knowledge graphs and building all this stuff together. I think that's a whole other episode we can go talk about. As you just said, so much to go into that. But with that, I think this is perfect timing. Let's move on to our lightning round, which is presented by Data.World, the data catalog for your successful cloud migration. So I'm going to kick it off. So first question. Um, today, you mentioned that one of the golden moments that triggered the whole data warehouse was that large corporations were struggling to answer questions like, how many customers How many customers do we have? How many products do we have? How much sales did we make? Uh, data warehouse was the, was the answer to that challenge. Have we solved that problem? Some yes, some no. The answer is 50%, maybe, I don't know what percentage. Some percentage yes, some percentage no. You want to expand on that for a second? Why yes and why no? Because some, a lot of people uh, still believe in the vendor. And, and uh, I was at a conference the other day and, and, and uh, uh, the vendor was saying, man, this integration stuff, this integrity stuff, that's hard to do. It takes a long time. Let's just go do something called ELT and let's just throw our data together and Let's not bother to integrate it and make it usable. And 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 uh, 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 the vendors and the people still listen to their vendors. And and part of the maturity of our profession is people weaning themselves from listening to the vendors, or at least recognizing that the vendor is there to sell them, not to solve the the, the customer's problem. Right. So I got a quick follow up on here. So ELT and the and the Lake House. The data lake and all that stuff. This is the problem. 
<laughs> Honest no BS, Bill. The data lake was the worst thing that somebody could have done to our profession. It was something that it's what happens when you put amateurs in charge of data architecture. And 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 uh, and I and I don't even I don't even know who I'm talking about, but I know somehow the data lake came about, and it was the stupidest idea that that I've heard. And so uh, I'm going to make the remaining part of my career helping clean up the mess that people have made are making with data lake data lakes. Now 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 I love that. Now, a, a quick word: there's a difference between a data lake and a data lake house that uh, the people that are building data lake houses are, are headed the right direction. Uh, the people that are uh, building data lakes are, 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 are setting our industry back, I don't know how many years, a decade, two, two decades, but they're going the reverse direction. But data lakes are a stupid idea. I, I love your honesty. I love, it. I love this. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is uh, the data lake house has always seemed to me to be a bit of a, a revisionist approach to, well, if we take sort of a data warehouse and we stick it in the middle of a lake, maybe it makes the lake a little bit better. <laughs> well, uh, a quick story. I, I had a conversation with the CEO of Databricks and, uh, uh, and, and, uh, 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 he didn't charge me, but, but on, on, a, on, a, on a relationship basis, uh, uh, what Data Lakehouse needed was a conceptual understanding of what was going on. So I've been doing my best in terms of books and, and, uh, 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 and other things to give a conceptual foundation for the Data Lakehouse. And, and Databricks has been wonderful to work with. That's awesome. Love it. Um, they're, they're a great partner for us as well, both Databricks and Snowflake. Um, all right. I was going to ask you for your next lightning round question, have the big data and NoSQL movements taken the progress of the data warehouse uh, backwards? But I think we kind of answered that. So I'm actually going to replace that with a slightly different question here, which is, um, you know, is, is there a key missing role right now in the organization that is sort of this data to business or data to knowledge translator? Is that just a, is that a missing role right now? Oh, you bet it is. And uh, once upon a time, and, and, and it didn't go very far, but once upon a time, corporations had, had an internal training function for technology. And it was for the technician and for the business person. And, and, and that idea was, I don't know who started that idea. That idea was wonderful. That was a really, really good idea. And, 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 uh, but, but today, when you go out into the world, I, I don't know, that function may exist somewhere. I haven't seen it in a long, long time. But, but absolutely, the people still need education. And, but, but they don't need education about how cool the product is. They need an education on how to solve their business problems and how to make the connection between their business problems and technology. That's what uh, the is needed. But uh, uh, but I don't see I don't see that happen anytime soon. Mm. I mean I don't know. I'd love to be surprised. I think this is what this is the, what I call business literacy. And and Bill, if we don't see this anytime soon, we are 
freaking screwed and wasting more of our time and money. We need because we need this because otherwise it's just doing more technology for the sake of technology. At some point, like, I mean, this is not, this is unsustainable period. Uh, 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 what can I say? But, but, but like all evolutions in every evolution, there's always been a couple of branches of the tree that kind of fell off. And, and, and so evolutions are not clean and neat. They are messy. People die. Uh, 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 blood is spilled on the floor. And, 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 and our evolution of our technology is exactly the same. Uh, it's an evolution, and it's messy. Bill, you are a very wise man. That was a very wise comment. Next question. Is data modeling a lost art? Data modeling is absolutely not a lost art. Uh, it better not be because, uh, because uh, 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 it better not be. Uh, but, but, but there are new renditions of data modeling. So in order to understand the structured data uh, of the world, we need data models uh, 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 for lots of reasons I go into it. However, there are new forms of data modeling. Uh, when it comes to text, uh, the new form of data modeling is taxonomy creation and ontology creation. And, and, and uh, 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 ontologies and data marks are related to each other, but they're not the same thing. There's actually some substantial differences between a data model and an ontology. But, but, it, but, but that's, what's that's, that, that's what's happening now. And, and, and uh, when, we lose, when we lose the ability to, uh, to data model, we have lost the ability to read the Bible. And, and, and I, God, I hope, I don't want to be in this earth when the worth with this earth loses the ability uh, to re to read and understand the Bible. Yep. You know what? It, it, I'm seeing this trend that all that um, experts, uh, people who have been this data in the data warehouse world from the beginning are real, are, are, are just kind of changing their, their conversations in a way uh, about the focus on the semantics, on the knowledge, on the meaning. That's what we're seeing more of the conversation about knowledge graphs and ontologies. I mean, this is the world I come from. I come from the semantic web world. And 10 years ago, I was told, 15 years ago, we were, I was saying the word ontologies all the time. And then 10 years ago, I was said, oh, no, that don't use the O word, the ontology word, because that scares people. And people think oncology or think about philosophy. And now it's coming back. And I think it's coming back because we're realizing that the missing ingredient here is knowledge, it's meaning, understanding, and 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 and, and it's always been there, and I think it just hasn't been hasn't taken that first class citizen approach, right? As you just said, data marts and and ontologies they're related, they're not the same. I agree, but we're we're evolving, and I think it's one of those branches that will get stronger and stronger while some other ones will just fall. And 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 let me tell you my experience with ontologies. Uh, uh, as I've told you, I spent the last twenty years of my life working on the issue of text and uh, text and language. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you right now, you can't do text and language analysis without an ontology. So we had to become experts in understanding how to build, how to create, how to use, maintain uh, uh, ontologies. And uh, 
we I don't go into this with anybody, but uh, uh, but uh, uh, we probably have more uh, practical experience because we know how to take an ontology, apply it to text, and come out with something that's useful and valuable. And and the other day, just in fact, uh, two days ago, uh, I was talking with some people, some wonderful people, I'm not going to name where, and they said, let us show you uh, our, our, our ontology. And, 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 and I mean, I don't mean to be uncharitable. I really am not an uncharitable person. But what they showed me for an ontology said, oh, my God, this is, this is not one one ten thousandth of what an ontology is. So people, people think they can't work with and build. Listen, we build ontologies every day, and we know how to manipulate and use them. We know how to do, we know how to make them do little backflips. And uh, uh, so, but we had to learn that if you're going to be uh, somebody that knows how to deal with text, uh, you got to be an expert in ontologies because that that is that is the golden key uh, to being able to expert. And people in the world are afraid of them, and there's nothing to be afraid of. I'm with you, Am ontology, semantics, knowledge graph. It's my life. Everything I have dedicated my career towards. So I, this is music to my ears. Tim, last question on you. We got to keep going here. We're almost yeah, yeah. done. Last night, lightning round question. So. You know, I, I, I actually started my career in sort of data and things like that, actually in unstructured data. I worked for a company called Highland Software, focused on document management, right? And then you've got the knowledge management field. You've got a lot around text. You know, there's a lot going on in the world of unstructured. And then you've got databases and data warehouses and data analysis systems and things like that, right? There's these parallel streams going on. And you, you mentioned that you're really focused on text and unstructured lately. Do you see that the in the next 10 years, the unstructured world and the structured world are, are going to finally do much more of a merger? Oh, yes. And uh, um, much to the chagrin of the vendors that have been fighting it all along. But but and I'll tell you why it's going to happen. It's not going to happen because of technology. It's going to happen because of business value, because people are going to discover, number one, you can go into text and start to do things with it. And once you do that, you can marry it up to your structured systems. And once you do that, you can get uh, analysis and understanding of your corporation that you could never, ever get before. That's why it's going to happen. But it's going to happen because of business value. It's not going to happen because the, the venture capitalists, venture capitalists ignore what's going on. Don't get me started on venture capitalists. All right. All right. This has been a, a phenomenal conversation, and let's go take it to our takeaways. T, 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 Tim, take us away with your takeaways. Let's start. All right. We'll do the best we can here to take it away. So we started off the conversation, Bill, with you kind of mentioning that our profession is immature, right? You look at, you know, the history of medicine or the, the you know, like it's, there are fields that have been around for thousands of years. Um, and IT has been around for what, 50, 60 years, right? Yeah. Um, and some of the signs of the immaturity are things like education, how it has to happen through the vendors a lot. Um, you know, another sign of uh, immaturity is the fact that we're, you know, we have to get our, you know, snowflake cert and our Tableau cert and things like that versus being able to, like in the field of medicine, be able to, you know, get your doctorate in, you know, in, in medicine in, in a more general way. And, uh, 
you know, computers started off being very general, but then they differentiated, they specialized. Um, and so that's just kind of the maturing that's happening in that field right now. But it's so early. It's such early days and it's evolving so fast. Uh, and you walked us through the the history, the history of computing, where, um, you know, uh, and, 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 and first of all, you mentioned how important it is to value history. Juan, I know you're a big uh, uh, fan and proponent of, of, of history, especially in the computing field as well. Um, uh, Bill, you mentioned Gene Omdahl. So now I know I've got some research to do to learn a lot more about Gene Omdahl because that's important. Um, so in the history of, uh, of computing, right, um, first computers built by the U.S. Army. Then next use case, the mafia using it to calculate racetrack odds, right? In general, it all started off with a big focus on numerical calculation. But then Watson proposed this idea of the world market for computational devices. And someone had this golden moment of, hey, this can really apply to business. So you move to text, you move to applications, we get the database management system, we get transaction processing. Uh, and now that's really the second golden moment where computers really were making a business impact. Uh, they were the partner to the business in your words. Uh, and then you get the personal computer, internet, mobile computing, and so much more. So it's, it's so important to know our history and, and how that led to the data warehouse system, which uh, Juan, over to you for your takeaways. Yeah. So, so I think it's very critical to understand the history of the data warehouse. I mean, the data was locked for a specific, a specific purpose or usage, right, for in the fix in, in these databases. And you, Bill, like you were the person who was trying to express that, hey, data could be used for more than that. And, 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 and it was locked for in the 70s. And you got a lot of hate mail for that. But, hey, look who won here on this stuff. Like transaction data supports the application, while corporate data is there to support the enterprise to be able to answer those questions of how many customers do we have, how many products, and so forth, right? So what does it take to answer these questions at an enterprise level? It's enterprise data, not just, not just application data, not just data from one application. So, and what I really love here is that the data warehouses was loved by the marketing organizations in the, in, starting here in the U.S., right? Pactel Cellular, you said, was the first one. They wanted, they wanted to gain more market share, understand their customers, keep their customers. And then the competitors find out about it and they're like, hey, we want that too. So thanks to the marketing folks is how data warehouses actually started. And then after that, you get Walmart coming in and then that's it. It's now mainstream. And basically, IBM SAP, you are no help at all for this. Um, thinking about kind of business value, like we have to be very, very critical about what is cool versus what is what is providing business value. GPT chat thing, this is very cool. It's very elegant. But is it addressing business value or not? Like we've seen this before in so many different tools. We brought up the IBM Watson, right? The Jeopardy stuff. But hey, this is all associative recalls, what you were talking about. They don't really understand my business. Um, so even the folks at IBM during that IBM Watson era, they forgot to ask the basic question. What is the business value? Every day you work at a company, ask yourself, you wake up, how is what I'm doing providing business value? Uh, finally, we got into that whole Inman Kimball debate. They had it very clear directly from you. Kimball, you get a quick, dirty approach to ask questions, but it's not about so much about integration. Quick reports. Inman, it is focused on the integrity of the data, on the integration. You must be willing to do something less fast, less inexpensive. You get data you can believe, data you can trust. That's where it is. And then what's next for Bill Inman? Some area that we, an area that we have completely neglected is text. And all the text, 
We want to bring in text and make it in an analytical format and using knowledge graphs for that. And just to summarize some things you said in the lightning round, the data lake is the worst thing, the stupidest idea and an immature folks put in charge. And it's going to be your goal to clean up that mess. The data lake house is in the right direction. Uh, we need more education in how to solve business problems. Taxonomies and ontologies, we need to start focusing on this. And we will see the merging of unstructured and structured data because it's going to provide more business value. Bill, how did we do? Summarize that. And I want to close one one idea. I don't like data lakes. <laughs> period. period. Bill, and I don't like data lakes, period. Can we put that on a T-shirt? Is that okay? You can do whatever you want to. <laughs> All right. We're going to put that on our swag store one day. I don't like data lakes. All right, Bill, throw it back to you very quickly to wrap up here. What's your advice about data, about life? Who should you invite next? And what resources do you follow? Well, okay, I get asked a question by young college students all the time. What should I do? And what I tell them, I, 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 I give them this piece of advice. I say, get as close to the decision-making of the corporation as you can. Because... When it comes time for layoffs, who's the last person to get laid off in a corporation? And that's the person that is uh, 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 the closest to the decision making. If you are working in a clerical function, in a rotarian function, uh, we need people like that. Uh, but you are open uh, and opening yourself and your family uh, to layoffs. So uh, if I have one word of advice to give young, young people, is is get as close to decision making as you can bravo 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 yes who should we invite next oh um well i think brad pitt would be appropriate <laughs> you know we've had another guest before who said we should uh, invite uh matthew mcconaughey so we gotta start doing this um, yeah there's gonna be a hollywood episode at some point yeah, we'll have to do that well, okay sounds good to me uh, what resources do you follow? Books, people, conferences, events, whatever. Unfortunately, in my life, I've always been, I've had to go trial and error because the places I've gone, there haven't been books and conferences and, and, and things like that. So my great teacher in life is trial and error. And, 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 and it's a great teacher. Let me tell you something. A long time ago, my young daughter, when she was, I don't know, three or four, uh, was playing in the kitchen, and my wife was standing next to me, and my daughter was playing with, with a, a box of matches. And my, my, my wife wanted to run and grab the matches away from her. And I said, no, 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 we're going to sit here and watch her. We don't want her burning the house down, but she's about to learn an important lesson. And, and so she opened up the box of matches. Uh, she uh, lit up the match. She burned her finger. Uh, not bad, but she remembered the pain. And pain is the great teacher. And so I, I don't follow books or conferences or anything like that because my, all of my, not all, but most of my experience in life has been trial and error. Get your hands dirty and see what works. That's right. Bill, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Just very quickly, next week we have Jane Urban, who is a VP of data at Takeda uh, Pharmaceutical, and we're going to talk about data and business value and how she's been building a team in the U.S. and now expanding that data team globally. I think it's going to be a phenomenal conversation. Bill, I think 
Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for this. Thanks to Data World, who always lets us go do this every Wednesday uh, here. Um, thank you so much, Bill. We will see you here in Austin in two weeks. Looking forward Sounds to that. Good one. Talk to you later. Cheers, Bill. Cheers. This is Cheers. Catalog and Cocktails. A special thanks to Data.World for supporting the show, Carly Berghoff for producing, John Loyans and Brian Jacob for the show music, and thank you to the entire Cataloging Cocktails fan base.